Blog Talk Radio. to the Frontier Beyond Fear live streaming broadcast and podcast that comes to you live many Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio, and then it's out on a podcast on multiple syndication platforms. I'm Susan Larison-Dans, and today is December 10th, 2022. Today, at the beginning of the program, we're going to catch up a little bit on a couple of things I referred to in previous programs in the last few episodes. Um, The first thing I want to catch up on is in the spiritual resilience episode, I never did explain completely, although I think I mentioned it in another episode, the nature of the plant in the picture. That plant, by the way, has now succumbed to winter, and I may or may not have described, I think I did, that I tried to bring it inside, but it didn't work because it had outside bugs on it. It just couldn't, it needed to be let go. But the reason I had that unusual picture on my spiritual resilience page, which you can see next to the episode when you go there, is this plant was always reaching to the sun. It also survived um, well into um, non-summer weather, that's for sure. And it had this uncanny ability to shift these little tendrils, that I called them, which are in the picture, to where the sun was shining. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a plant do this in quite that way. Yes, you see leaves that grow towards and flowers that grow towards the sun, but this was very dynamic. And actually, I believe just in this moment that it's also symbolic of the the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is everyday approachable mysticism. And I'll catch up with the second thing in a minute, which is a poem I failed to read last time, which I believe we'll also find is relevant. In fact, this particular topic is relevant to just about every episode of this program and to life itself and to who we are who we naturally are and can continue to be. If we've forgotten how to be this way, if we're ready to expand more into 
how to be this way. It is our natural state. Is mysticism at its center? It's simply an awareness of the omnipresence of the divine. And oh yes, it will astonish you the deeper you go. But it doesn't have to be flashy like fireworks. It can be. That's a bit of a more intricate topic. We may touch on that in a little bit. When we talk about everyday mysticism, it is the very essence of being aware that we are not living in a strictly material world. And the more you are aware of that, the more evidence you will see. Although I will say I have seen evidence that the evidence itself will help to awaken you. So it's not just about looking, although looking really does help. Sometimes we get a bit bit of a jump start into what this is. And yes, sometimes, and many of us in one way or another, have had more dramatic experiences, um, higher experiences. Um, some people have had NDEs. Um, some people, um, I truthfully believe that when I had what I would call more fireworks, which I will continue to state on this episode, that is not something ever to be treated lightly. Those who have studied um, very dramatic, you know, spiritual awakenings. Um, they know, and anyone who's experienced one, it's not just um, a walk in the park, um, which which actually has to do with everyday mysticism, and even carries very real risks. Um, and you know, we can be thankful when we navigate through such an experience. And there's a reason why, you know, culturally, even the ancient world and indigenous circles, different places where they treated such things with the utmost respect. And you had people around you that were very, very experienced with much ancient wisdom. But even with that, I mean, it, it carries risk, those very um, dramatic experiences. It also can carry gifts. Um, but what we're talking about today, and I will once again reiterate, this program today is not about engaging in any substance to facilitate some kind of mystical experience. This is about what's as natural as what you were born with. All such substances carry risk, and I do not advocate for that. I allow, you know, Spiritual traditions in certain cultures to be, of course, what they are, but this is not a show about that. This is a show about what is approachable every day in the regular, everyday world, which is not what we think it is. You can be living and Every day, and I have to put that in quotes to some degree, because anyone doing this is living a 
a more um, magical, um, multi-dimensional life. Um, some years ago, I did a talk, um, multi-dimensional living 101, um, and you know, it is a part of that because what is it to be multi-dimensional? What does that mean? It is a higher awareness, but it's also right here. It's right here. When you were a child and you looked with open eyes, and yes, many of us have had challenging experiences in childhood, maybe things that um, impacted our ability to innocently experience childhood. I know that that there are many in the audience and um, that can speak to such things. But we're, when you were free of such things, the very moment you were born, you were aware. Before you were born, you were aware. We are not separate from what this is. We may, may not be able to name it, the key to it all is knowing it's right here. It's not way over there. It's right here. It is omnipresence. It is divine, unconditional love. When you enter into what can be a gentle higher experience, although the more dramatic ones have it too, there is this feeling of unconditional love knowing that you're loved, feeling that love blow through you. This is as natural as anything that you do in the material world. We are spiritual beings living in this material experience. We chose to come here to learn and to grow. That is my belief. I know there, I talked about this, I believe, in the last episode. There are many beliefs surrounding how we came to be here. Did we choose it? Well, given that God is omnipresent, there is, this is a part of the mysticism, actually. It's not just all of us. In fact, there is a higher aspect there are actual, um, I mean, there are aspects of the divine. We are aspects. There are other aspects, and there's a higher and higher. So there can be things that, um, you know, like what's going to happen on planet Earth? You know, that involves a lot of people. What's going to happen in this entire galaxy? Is this galaxy going to collide with another one? Well, here's the multi-level aspect of that. On some level, you are participating as a soul in that very possibility that you're here, you're on this planet, you're in this galaxy at this time. At another level, there is a higher awareness, a higher um, will in a way, but you are not um, subjugated. There can be no subjugation when the divine is omnipresent. It doesn't mean that you can't revere 
what that is. I can walk out any given day. In fact, I'm going to describe what happened before this show today, which was extremely magical and mystical, and yet in the everyday beautiful world. I can walk outside. I can look at the sky. You may be in a city where you can't see much of anything of beauty, but you can see the sky. You can see the clouds. I've lived in places that didn't have obvious, um, spectacular beauty, and yet I noticed other things there. In fact, often if you're new to a place, you notice new things like, oh, the clouds look different here. When I first went to school, I went to graduate school in Illinois, one of the things I noticed was the clouds looked different, and I was quite fascinated with the clouds. I lived in a place, an old apartment building, with a view of the back of a gas station. That was my view. I was used, I, before that, I had come from a condo I was renting with a view of the entire front range of the Rockies and a lake. And yet to see, well, actually, I've lived in two different places like that. And one of them, you had to see past the back of a shopping center to see the Rockies. In another, it was just a straight view. But even so, when I went to Illinois, and it was very much different, everything was different. The weather was different, everything. There was the tremendous beauty there. I noticed the trees. They were so gorgeous that first fall. I noticed the way the clouds would blow across the sky. I wasn't as presently spiritual then. I did have, in fact, I've been reminded more than once. Another um, reminder came up recently, a memory of a time where I have had spiritual inclinations my entire life, but I have not been this person who is able to articulate what happened or who has had um, more dramatic experiences when I was younger or, or even the everyday mysticism. I didn't have that kind of awareness quite when I was younger or I really couldn't label it. This is about stepping into more and more awareness of the magic and the miracles in your everyday world. It, you can be on multiple spiritual paths and feel this. And yes, it is very relevant to the last episode where we talked about how do you determine if a planet is progressing truly, what is true progress, and it was my contention that if you're focused solely on the material, that's not actual, um, that is not the type of progress that is necessarily conducive to the type of growth that we need. Can you develop both together? Well, that would be better. But if you develop just material progress, and let's put progress in quotes, without awareness, without a spiritual aspect, that leads to very dark places. And unless you spiritually awaken, probably your destruction or whatever remnant is left will have the opportunity to awaken again. But today we're not talking about the planet, although in a way we are. We're talking about everyday life. Before this program, 
The other day I had mentioned to someone that I hadn't seen the eagles in a while. I've been fortunate to live in more than one place where there are eagles. And it's amazing the things that can happen with these eagles. Well, not only did I mention that, but also I've lived in more than one place where there are coyotes. And that, you know, that happened to come up, although I wasn't necessarily seeking that. Um, but I hadn't seen um, a coyote. You know, I only saw, I don't see these often. Sometimes I've heard them. But today, before this program, I'm walking on a path. And someone did alert me to this. Hopefully I would have seen them without. But there they were, two eagles in a tree, about as close as I've ever seen them anywhere. Then, a little bit later, I was walking back because I needed to get back home to have lunch and then get ready for this show. Um, there was a coyote, and I saw someone up ahead who was observing it, and there it was, running. It wasn't running towards me. It was running the other direction. That was quite a coincidence, particularly the eagles in some ways. Because I do have a very special reverence for these birds and even a connection because of having walked so many times out in nature where they are, where I, um, I've walked where there are eagles' nests nearby. That's everyday mysticism. It's beauty. It's magic. Some would say, ah, you know, it just happened. Now, I'm sure there were others on the trail which did not see it in a spiritual way. Well, guess what? You don't even have to see it in a spiritual way. There was another woman who was just delighting in this, um, apparently had moved um, to, had not lived in an area like this before. And I don't know, she'd lived in the city on the East Coast. I don't know. But even when you're not, overtly spiritual, you will feel what this is. I could feel her elation. She may have been spiritual, I don't know, but I sensed, you know, it was just every day. But let's go farther than that. What is every day? If you're a material person, well, every day may be more mundane. But you're not totally free from this either. You just don't know how to label it, and you're not consciously developing and expanding your openness to it. This program shows and has always shown, thanks to the artwork of the brilliant Richard Crooks, who's done much artwork out there for many authors, and I happened to just discover him before... A lot of other people did because um, someone else I knew had hired him, and I thought, "What? You know, that is a beautiful picture on your book." This was before he worked for tons and tons of authors, and um, and so I found this person, and he ended up doing the artwork for this program, and it was supposed to be a book at the time. Who knows if it will be? It doesn't need to be, but that door opening to the light, to the sunshine, the streams of light coming in. That is everyday mysticism. It is also not everyday. There is both. There is both. There are things 
that occur. Like today, I would say, was maybe a little elevated above every day because I don't see the eagles like that every day, especially after mentioning them, and there they are because I hadn't seen them in a while. So that maybe was slightly more dramatic. Gently, though, you can hear music. You can see the sky. You can just open yourself up to the love. You may be reading a poem. You may be listening to this program or another one. There are so many ways. You may be cooking. Do you know how many times I have felt a connectedness, a mindfulness, a deepening simply while cooking? It's also a good way to ground if it's getting a bit, you know, when you really get into this. It is true, if something takes you higher, grounding is important. Cooking's really helpful. I like to do walking, um, not even overt meditations, but that's essentially what they are. When I'm walking, that's, that's all I'm doing. I'm just observing the beauty. It's not um, like walking on a treadmill. I am walking to observe and listen to the beauty. That is a very approachable way for me to deepen my awareness. You need to discover what works for you. Some people do better sitting still. I seem to do better walking. And both are fine. Do what works for you. That is, it's so natural for me. It's not even what I could call a practice, and yet that is exactly what it is. It is not a chore. You know, so many times when we talk about a practice, and we all do them. Many of us do them. In fact, I bet a lot of us do them without even knowing. But, okay, a conscious practice. When you fully open up to what this is, it will not be a chore in any way. It will not be like, oh, you know, i got to go for my walk. It's like for me. And, yeah, sure, it helps, helps me physically, too. There is a reason there as well. My physical well-being, my material well-being. But it is also a clearing. It helps me to find clarity when I'm feeling stress or whatever. Oh, how it helps to get out into beauty and to walk, to listen to the birds. They don't have to be eagles every day, just everyday birds. If you can't get out, maybe the weather is bad or you're not feeling well or something's keeping you at home, look out the window. Just like when I was in Illinois, even looking at the sky at a time, you know, winter was coming. And really, right outside that window, I don't recall seeing many trees. There were trees nearby. But it was not a beautiful view at all, that apartment. Now, there were many beautiful views when I was walking. There is always something beautiful to observe or to listen to. Music can always take us higher. Music can be very helpful. Perhaps you might dance and get some exercise in your wherever you live, right in your living room. Everyday mysticism is an awareness of connection. Yes, 
maybe a little bit above every day, it can lead to healing. But really, that, maybe not every day, depending on where we're at in life, we think about that. Or maybe we can. We certainly can. But not every day um, are we conscious in our lives, depending on what's going on, of healing this or that, unless we are experiencing a challenge. Healing is real. I have observed it. I have witnessed it objectively. I have witnessed it when I did not expect it. That's when it's the most dramatic at all. That may not, something like a dramatic healing or something that was there before just disappears. That may not seem to happen every day. But if we were, as humanity, as human beings on this path, to go down a path of higher awareness, we would see it more and more. There is a mystery to the material. Sometimes, and I believe this is only due to a higher soul agreement with the divine and with others on the planet and off, sometimes it's time for a soul to leave. And we may not have full awareness of that. So something may happen where it, it, it doesn't heal. You know, it's like you can ask the question, um, you know, why did this? I had an experience um, with a loved one where one thing was dramatically healed and then another problem turned up. And it wasn't, thankfully, um, this person is still on the planet, but it was a challenge to go through. And there were a lot of spiritual tests and experiences that came along with it, along with observations of beauty while in the hospital, all kinds of things. So, being in the material world, in an, even as spiritual beings, will test us sometimes. But we will also observe the miracles. Before this live show goes down, I am going to read the poem I didn't read last time, and I think it may still be relevant. And I'm going to do a couple other readings. This was by Henry David Thoreau, who lived from 1817 to 1862. Rumors from an Aeolian harp. There is a veil which none hath seen, where foot of man has never been, such as here lives with toil and strife, an anxious and a sinful life. There every virtue has its birth, ere it descends upon the earth. Thither, thither every deed returns, which in the generous bosom burns. Where love is warm and youth is young, and poetry is yet unsung, for virtue still adventures there and freely breathes her native air. And ever, if you hearken well, you still may hear its vesper bell 
and tread of high-souled men go by, and their thoughts conversing with the sky. Very relevant to this week. It's relevant to several shows. What is he talking about? And let's talk about, you know, the word sin means missing the mark. So, um, you know, we can all see our imperfections in this life. But the type of virtue, and in this poem it talks, it shows virtue with a capital V. It is a kind of an innocent state of being where no one intends harm to other people. That you're not harming yourself or others. That you're you're at a higher state of unconditional love. And how do you love their thoughts conversing with the sky? I didn't even remember that was in the poem. What did I just talk about? There is a synchronicity since I really didn't remember it and I was just talking about looking at the sky. Those of you listening live, I know the live show is ending now. Thank you for being here. It'll continue on. You can listen to the podcast later. Um, FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you can find more information on this program. I turn to another poem before the show today. I think we've caught up now mostly. Sometimes I'll refer to a poem and I don't quite get there, um, but maybe eventually I do. This was, um, okay, let me get my books out here. All right. This is one that I simply turned to. And actually, trying to see where I turned. It's a fairly lengthy poem by John Dunn, who lived from 1572 to 1631. And it's called The Sun Rising. Fine, I'll just go ahead and read it. We've got some time. We're in the podcast now. Busy old fool, unruly son, why dost thou thus, through windows and through curtains, call on us? Must to thy motions lover's seasons run? Saucy pedantic wretch, go chide. Late schoolboys and sour prentices. Go tell court huntsmen that the king will ride. Call country ants to harvest offices. Love all alike. No season knows nor clime, nor hours, days, months, which are the rags of time. Thy beams so reverend and strong, why shouldest thou think? I could eclipse and cloud them with a wink. But that I would not lose her sight so long if her eyes have not blinded thine. Look, and tomorrow late tell me whether both the Indias of spice and mine be where thou leftest them or lie here with me. Ask for those kings whom thou sawest yesterday, and thou shalt hear, all here in one bed lay. 
She's all states and all princes, I. Nothing else is. Princes do but play us compared to this. All honors mimic, all wealth alchemy. Thou, son, art half as happy as we, in that the world's contracted thus. Thine age asks ease, and since thy duties be to warm the world that's done in warming us, shine here to us, and thou art everywhere. This bed thy center is, these walls thy sphere. Yes, John Dunn lived between 1572 and 1631, and he spoke in the language of his day. One of the intents of this program is to realize we can read things from the past and understand them. There are certainly things in this poem that are approachable and have everything to do with feeling the power and the presence of nature, talking about the sun. Notice where it says, you know, even kings, they're all laying in the same bed. So you're waking up. The sun is shining. You know, um, I have an eastward-facing window. And, you know, when the sun is up, even if I, I don't have to get up, and usually I have a pretty flexible schedule there, um, I'm going to wake up a lot of times. And it's about the material world. Just you have to wake up. You know, you got to go to school. You got to go to the work. If you could be a prince, you could be an ant on the ground. You could be a king. You could be anybody. The sun calls you to the material world. That's on one level. On the other level, suddenly, the poet, who's very famous, if you haven't heard of John Donne, um, he sees this lack of separation between him and everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a prince or a king. And actually, with respect to the son, even being a prince, I mean, that it, that's not quite so grand. But at the same time, in our relationship with nature, everyone is grand. Shine here to us, and thou art everywhere. The omnipresence of the divine. The light. The light. What's shining in through the door of the artwork for the frontier beyond fear? The sun is visibly shining. The rays of the sun. So, I just opened to that. I didn't look for it. I opened right to it, and this book, I was actually looking for William Blake, which is in a different book, and I just grabbed this one first. And this particular book, how how could that poem be even remotely relevant to our topic? That's a synchronicity. That's everyday mysticism. Things happen that are beautifully coincidental and statistically highly improb- improbable. I can't quite say 1,200 page or 
not quite 1,200. Where are we? About, um, well, maybe. How many pages does this book have? Anyway, it's eluding me here. Yep, it is 1,200, a little over 1,200 pages. So quite a large book. I want to give just a few words from another poem I looked up online. This is a female mystic. Um, Rabia of Basra, a Sufi mystic who lived approximately, um, see different possible, said to have been born approximately 717, lived till 801. And I'm only going to quote a small part. Here we're going to talk a little bit about the relationship with the divine. O Lord, if I worship you because of fear of hell, then burn me in hell. If I worship you because I desire paradise, then exclude me from paradise. But if I worship you for yourself alone, then deny me not your eternal beauty. When we come to understand just how much we are loved, it doesn't take away, in fact, it inspires that awe. Look at a beautiful thing. Just look at the sun. Look at the pictures that we see, although I've got to qualify that a little bit. Some of these pictures coming from the James Webb Telescope, which are really beautiful, those are artistic approximations of what it's seeing. And I do feel that needs to be qualified. That's not actually what it's seeing. Um, it's a rendering. It's a, it's a, um, and it. There are some who have said, you know, it's a little bit too artistic because people are looking. I mean, I even did the first time you see it, and then you realize, gosh, it looks like a painting. Well, yeah, it is a painting, but they are trying to depict the clarity of what they're seeing. But it's a little bit misleading to suggest. I'm sure what you really would see out in space would be incredible, but it's not exactly what we're seeing in those um, not photographs. They're being called so in those artistic approximations. Um, but truthfully, the reality of what that is isn't even visual. It is a feeling. It is a feeling of a lack of separation. I believe Rabia was trying to express that. She be, was a Sufi saint. She became a saint. She was a mystic. And she saw the importance of the beauty. 
She wasn't in it for some reward. She wasn't focused on darkness and fear. She was focused on the omnipresent love of the divine. Eternally. We can't even label eternal because time itself is not confined to linear. Here in this world, we live in linear time. But it's almost impossible for us to conceive of what a true multidimensional reality feels like. Some of us had have experienced this through greater awareness. And, you know, I have spoken. Okay, I will get into this a little bit. I have spoken of the visionary realm. That realm does exist. Some people can approach it very easily and stay grounded. That is a tremendous gift to be able to do that. And it's probably with practice. Um, and there are many, I don't know how high you can go and still remain grounded, however. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not an expert. What I do know, in my own experience, it was due to a series of health-related material things, not anything intentional, no substance that was intentionally ingested, but I do believe that part of what brought it about, I mean, there were several things. There was, you know, very um, physical, practical things. Um, one thing, I believe, was a side effect of something um, that helped create that state. Um, another aspect was hormonal. Also, essentially a side effect of doing something that that rather or having an experience that would have a physical experience that was hormonal and yeah I'm intentionally not being too specific just because there's no need but I just think it's fair to say that there were physical components that were very real and including um, hitting my head so all of these things and now we're talking 20 years. It's almost 20 years. As of next year, it will be 20 years. And the interesting thing about my own rather dramatic awakening, which did include fireworks, not all of them easy at the time, because I wasn't living in a world where I had someone near me who could assist? Later I did, you know, as I went down the journey a couple of years later, or really even immediately after, step by step, I was able to find that information. This is why you never know how you're going to awaken or who you are or what might trigger it somehow um, or how much of a, a dramatic experience you may have. Yes, there are people who have had NDEs. Um, through my experience, and actually I've talked about this, so I've talked about this at times. It's just that it's taken me a while to really assess it and say, yes, 
You know, there were things that um, are known that I can't just say I'm a spontaneous, you know, mystic where I could just launch into some visionary state. It is true that genetically I probably have some capabilities there um, because of my grandfather who was a visionary and had a church and they had visions all the time. So, yes, there's that aspect, but I can't as a scientist just say, oh, yeah, that's it. You know, I had some talent that was passed down, and there you go. You know, there may have been some of that. That, And is it a talent? Yeah, actually, it is a gift to be able to to enter into those states. I really think that, that it's available in to more people than we realize at different degrees. But it's just like anything else, you know. Are you a good writer? You know, a lot of us, I was a good writer when I was younger. There are different, and still write. <laughs> we all have different skills and um, how something comes to us more readily. Some people um, can play the piano really easily and just hardly need lessons. I had one sibling like that, just hard, didn't have a lesson at all. And some of us struggle, and yet maybe we manage to do it after a while. We learn a skill. Some of us are athletic. You know, we're just super athletic. I certainly wasn't born super athletic. Um, so each of us has various um, capabilities where some things can be a bit more approachable. But I do feel it's important to say that there was really a perfect storm that led to my awakening. But I'm grateful that it did. And one of the reasons why I'm launching into this now is one of the visions that I had had to do with the sun and literally a true one with the universe type of an experience. Where, But it also had to do with time. It had to do with looking at the earth across time as if standing outside of it and even timelines that too there were there was a lot of intricacy to some of the things and i didn't talk about it much and still i'm rather careful because i believe higher experiences can surface many things in us and they can be kind of like exercises, but it doesn't mean that everything you see is going to come true. Some things I saw seem to be, I saw some predictive things, but that doesn't mean that everything I saw predicted something. And one of the reasons some years ago I chose to enter into writing or researching mystics, specifically female mystics. I was interested in that topic in particular. It was kind of a niche. Is because I wanted to understand more about the more dramatic types of experience where people really do have a visionary experience. And yes, I arguably still through mothershipton.com, which I created and expresses some of my work, I 
there's a lot of inaccuracies about Mother Shipton, who I came to enjoy studying and could probably make a career out of by itself. I mean, years ago, there were a couple of opportunities to even be on TV to talk about Mother Shipton, and Canada wanted to talk to me, some Canadian television, and there were other opportunities. I was talking about Mother Shipton. Maybe I'll go back to that, not only that. But there's just very little known about her that's accurate. I may do an episode on Mother Shipton just for fun, just to talk about that. But I actually have quite a bit of information on MotherShipton.com. Some of that may change. I may um, simplify that site. And even with what's out there, it only brushes the surface. This was an actual woman we believe people think that she didn't live who accurately predicted some things, but not nearly as many things as people think because there were forgers who forged in her name. But the interesting thing about studying Mother Shipton is that the people who set out to forge in her name, some of them also predicted things, and they didn't even realize they they were trying to just forge in her name, and yet some of those things were accurate. It's just it didn't come and could not have come. The most popular things you hear about her can be proven to be forgeries. So it's a complicated little thing, and it involves materialism and spirituality. But I was led to these interests through my own awakening, and yes, it all started the spiritual side of things. When I had yet another health issue, independent, I mean, that was a complicated time of my life, health-wise. And something was healed. It was gone. They went in to check it. It was gone. Just gone. Mystified the people. You know, that word mystify kind of connected to mysticism because when something really dramatic spiritually occurs like that, a healing, those who are very entrenched in the material world are mystified. I was amazed by it and it really shook me up. Facing my own mortality shook me up. And then I asked, show me the way with all my heart. Do you need to ask Show me the way with all your heart to have an awakening experience. Not necessarily, but that was a part of my path. Is there the way? Well, in a way, yes. The details may vary, but the way is an awareness of infinite, multidimensional unconditional love and that there is more to this world than meets the eye and it can be proven to you I mean be careful those of you who are skeptics who may have wandered by this podcast most likely those people might wander into the live show Maybe I have a skeptic listening who's an intentional skeptic and they're just sitting there mocking out there. (laughs) Or maybe a friendly skeptic, because I do know friendly skeptics too. I mean, I know plenty of people who are scientifically inclined and not spiritually inclined and even 
very skeptical. When you start to see what is real with a capital R, it will prove itself with concrete evidence that you can document. Can you document it for others? There are some things that can be documented, yes. Maybe some of those things are indeed these prophecies that people have had. But not everything. Sometimes it's only for you. But when you're just objectively looking at it, it's not just an experience. It's not just a feeling. It's something concrete. It relates to something in your life. It's just an impossible synchronicity. It's almost impossible. Statistically so improbable, approaching impossible. There is no real impossible. In fact, these notion of, this notion of timelines that are being studied more now with them in quantum physics, you know, they can say that every possibility exists. Everyday mysticism is something that once you start to live that way, yes, you have a regular life. You may choose to live life differently or you may really need to live life differently. You may not be able to live in the old ways as you once were. Because you you wake up. I mean, what was important then isn't important now. Things change. Priorities change. What you're able to do changes. And you know, we're not we're not like able for example, to debase ourselves all the time. You know, it's something that that you're led to do it. Maybe I mean everybody has experiences in the world that are not ideal, perhaps, in work, but um, you know, you have the opportunity to open up to a life. It may be simpler than you expected. It may seem imperfect, but then you will find the joy in its simplicity. Maybe you never needed what you thought you needed in material ways. Maybe it was enough to just be sustained. Maybe this notion of manna from heaven, a biblical concept where you don't even know, you can't even see that far in the future. And yet somehow you make your way. Little miracles can happen every day in little ways. Is there truly a little miracle? Someone happened to say that to me too not too long ago. Not really, although some can feel more grand. You know, when there's a healing, that feels bigger. And yes, I've seen it happen with a loved one, really multiple loved ones. And we are selling ourselves short as humanity to not be seriously looking at that. And it's sad because the material way, when we lack that interest, when we deride or, um, you know, it's like having your eyes closed and saying, there's no sky, there are, you know, I don't see anything. There's nothing there. 
well, open your eyes and maybe you'll see something or maybe something will happen where you are called to spontaneously open your eyes. And that might be a little bit rocky and dramatic for you, but at least you'll be able to see. We can see with our hearts. There is so much to discover. I had another couple poems. We'll keep it short. We're getting close to the hour here. I kind of looked for this one, and it's not the first time that I've read it. In fact, one part of the other poem that happened to be on this page, and this is what I was looking for when I found the other poem earlier. This is William Blake. William Blake lived from 1757 to 1827. I always tend to think he lived earlier than he did. He was a mystic and known as a mystic. Very short poem called Eternity, relevant. This did just happen to be on the page um, that um, I was just looking for something by Blake. Well, here's what Blake has to say. He who bends to himself a joy does the winged life destroy. But he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. Also on this page right next to it, I'm only reading the first few lines, auguries of innocence. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. See? See how he saw? He saw two things here. In fact, this is directly relevant to something I saw the Dalai Lama said um, quite recently. Something about how we are really only tourists here on this earth, that we're here for such a brief time. And the interesting thing about that is I had had not a super high experience, but I did have kind of an aware experience last week. I mean, there is a difference between like, you know, hey, you know, the visionary type of thing and just an awareness kind of thing. And it really did have to do with what all of these things are saying. We get really wrapped up in what's going on in this material world. And that's part of the growth experience. But when you put it in context as a soul and as an aspect of the omnipresent divine, because nothing and no one can be separated from what that is, which is pure, unconditional love, pure light, even as it creates nuances of light to reveal the light even further. Even so, all of our troubles in the world, it's not an easy time right now. And I know there are those of you living in multiple parts of the world where really everywhere right now there are challenges and more to come most likely in the material world. We're being invited to shift our awareness, I sense. And, you know, we're, discernment is really important right now. What is real? What is true? What, you know, what's 
motivated by some dark and lower impulse like greed or or power or something that is not um you know hurting other people i mean it really comes down to that you know is is something um genuinely devised to hurt others or to elevate oneself in an inappropriate way or to intentionally um, keep truth from people. You know, another thing I want to say is I've talked about dialogue and how I believe that's important, and yet it is true. I'm not bringing on guests or callers. There are reasons for that. First of all, I did a lot of guests over the years. It's a lot of work. And right now, I do live in the material world, and I need to make a living. (laughs) And back then, I had more freedom to bring guests. Plus, that particular part of my life, it was a state. I mean, I had well over, I don't know, I must have had at least 300 guests. We all go through different steps on our work journeys. In terms of bringing on callers, I do not bring on callers to have discussions. That doesn't mean that I don't value dialogue. The problem is we live in a world right now that does not enable us to have those kinds of conversations spontaneously. I can't just bring some, you know, we just can't talk in an open forum like this in this current environment, it just isn't possible to do and predict because um, I've had callers, and this is a different type of show. It's not like I'm doing um, readings for callers. or I mean, there are a lot of those sorts of shows that are out there. I used to bring people on, but I mean just to have a conversation. I rarely do it because it's like a wild card. Sure, I could trust, and some, I mean, it can be great, but sometimes, you know, it's either promoting something that I'm not really inclined to promote. So the only way you can really bring on callers is to have a screener, which would make this a much more complicated program. So I made the decision that for this time of this show, I am going to share my thoughts because for so many years, I was bringing forward the ideas of other people. And sure, we had a conversation, but this is the nature of my work now. So those of you who are benefiting in some way from from hearing my spontaneous reflections, thank you for being here. And that's where we're at right now. Back to Blake really quick. Um, I think it's important, and this had to do with something I had awareness of myself. Um, and just about letting things go. In fact, um, really more than one of the poems I talked about today kind of touches on this. And what the Dalai Lama said, this is a fleeting life. This is a fleeting time. In this time and place, as you are, who you are, and yes, authenticity, I put that tag on this show. That's really important. Having a greater experience is coming into relationship with who you are. What are your talents? What is your heart calling you to do? But 
sometimes we need to let things go. And Blake was talking about even, um, you know, when things are going great in life, you know, if we just um, try to, when we have a joy, let it come through your life. Nothing is forever in a given life. Eventually, this life will be done. There will be other adventures. There have been other adventures before this one. I believe every life is written into the Akash. That is a label for it. You don't have to call it that. There is a record of every life. All the imperfections, but unconditional love sees that through the eyes of empathy, not through judgment because of circumstance, because of being tested. Everybody has imperfections in life. We're here in the material world. Do we ever really think about um, what a challenge we took on to be here, to live in such a way when we are inseparable from the omnipresent divine and to create these beautiful, authentic people that we are in this place. Each of us is loved. Don't ever think that your story doesn't matter. Every story matters. I know there are other teachers who will say they don't matter. Oh, no. That is the aspect of creation. We are uniquely created Human beings in this place, our lives make each of us different. Some of us are having more challenging experiences than others, and those those souls are growing quite a lot. Does that mean we have to have some dark path? No. Can there be miracles that happen and things just come together? Yes. Yes. But we'll also be tested along the way at times. Someday we'll look back on it all. I was thinking about that too, how on the other side, once you're really there to stay, what is it really like? Because right now we eclipse it because people have visited the other side. And, you know, we certainly know, um, I know, having observed my own father and hearing about some of the things that happened when he died. And of course, others have spoken of things that have happened to them um, when they went to the other side and came back. In fact, I knew someone who, who just spontaneously talked to me about it, where um, who never wrote a word or really didn't even know what was going on um, and had had an accident and had had an NDE. There are people all around us that may have had experience. I, that's another fascinating thing. I have had a couple of people, you never even think that they would have said something like this, and yet one person spoke to me of having seen angels and um, through in, in a health situation, and another one literally um, was clinically dead and had a real NDE without, you know, just a very modest regular life just a essentially not quite a neighbor but a you know just just someone i came across in life and um not in the spiritual community at all because these are aspects of life but 
it's difficult to know. Once you're fully there, you're not coming back to this life. You're you're there. What then? You know, what is it really like? And how do you live? How do you process this life? It's a lot to reflect. The divine, it, it's kind of similar to looking at these images from this telescope. And we can still only partially see it. I love reading First First Corinthians 13. And that has, there is a passage there about, you know, fully knowing and being fully known. So, much to think about. But every day mysticism, everyday awareness is available to us every day. Simple as that. Went over a little today. Um, It may make up for what's coming up. I am not sure. I know that I will not be here next week at the normal time, and it's possible I may choose if I feel so led to just take a break until next year, that's possible. Or, because next week, look at the calendar here, today's the 10th, next week I will not be here. Um, I, I'm helping with an event that day, so I won't be able to do this program, at, and I'm, I probably will not do a show that day. The week after that, it's Christmas Eve, and probably, even though in the past I've sometimes done a show on Christmas Eve, unless I'm really called to do a show on Christmas Eve, I probably will not, but I can't say for sure. I might. And then the week after that is New Year's Eve. Um, I might do a show that day. So all I can say to you is I can't say for sure when I'll be on next live. I may come on another day. It's all whether I feel led to do a topic. If I should choose to not do a show until January 7th, which is would be the first practical day in the new year, well then, I hope that you'll have time over the holidays to catch up when you feel like listening and just enjoy yourselves and get out in beauty and enjoy the people you're with. Or if you're not with anyone, enjoy, find the beauty where you are. Maybe there is something poignant that you're dealing with, a challenge. I hope that you can still find connectedness. Maybe joy isn't as accessible this year. Well, you can find the depth of love. And you'd be surprised there can be a peace within it. We look for joy a lot, and joy is nice. But really, there's a kind of joy that is inseparable from peace. It is gentler. It's a kind of living that has challenges, has fears at times. And yet, there's a peace that passes understanding that concept. We live a deeper life. We see things that we are thankful for. If we are remembering a person who used to be in our life and isn't, or we find those things that we're thankful for. But of course we feel, we're going to feel here. 
We're human beings. But just know that you are loved and you are inseparable from unconditional love. And whether you are missing someone on the planet or not, they're right here across time, across space with you. None of us is separated, and yet each of us is unique. That's the magic. That's the mystery. That's the miracle. So, take care, everyone, and heartfelt thanks from me to you for being here the time you spent. Thanks again. See you next time.